The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. Nate, would you like to take a gander at what the third one is? What's the third F for this evening? Today's show is sponsored by the letter F. And F stands for what? What would you think would be poignant and timely that would start with an F? Frankenfurters. That's exactly what it is. It's it's absolutely Frankenfurters. So today, I sent my wife a text of a picture. I don't have, have any idea how you got that. I Did I really get text. it right? You really got it right. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Frankenfurters, hot like hot dogs. Yeah, Bruce, that's absolutely what I was going for. So today, you, by the way, on, Bruce did not tell me this. No, this is. I'm, I'm going to do it right now. Actually, I'll show you. I actually forwarded my wife a picture this morning that had a list of stylized regional hot dogs on it, and I said we need to do what whatever we have to do, whatever is necessary to be able to have these hot dogs, as many of these hot dogs as humanly possible. I am going to text it to you right now. Live on the show, and I will show you the infographic that we used in regards to hot dogs. And so, when this happened, oh my god, yeah, I, I thought to myself, kidding. Goodness gracious, I need the F for tonight. Oh my god, I need it to be Frankfurters. That's what I need it to be. And sure as the day is long, you... when I said third F, Nate said Frankfurters. JR's in the comments with me. me. 
I'm you're not getting it. He says, I'm here to chew gum and have hot food ticks, and I'm all out of gum. (laughs) (laughs) As a reminder, all of our shows are brought to you by Genesee Brewing Company since 1878. Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. You're still wrapping your head around how it is that it's possible that you correctly guessed out of all the F-words in the world. All of the F-words in the whole world, Bruce. Literally all the F-words in the entire world. Well, that's not true. All the F-words minus two of them. Yeah, right. Still, though. I am... I'm shook by it because I think people think that I'm kidding or like I'm being dramatic about this. I, I mentioned in passing in a funny way earlier this evening at dinner, I did the thing where my, by the way, my girlfriend hates this. Uh, We were talking about how much she hates it. Her friend was with us at dinner and you know, her, her husband wasn't there. He was working and you know, she, her, uh, my girlfriend's friend mentioned how, at dinner, her boyfriend or her husband embarrasses her by making weird dad jokes to the waiter or waitress. Like, you know, they'll say something and be like, oh, there goes your tip for the night, you know? And she's like, come on, like, that's not funny. You're embarrassing me. That's not a funny joke. That's mm-hmm. a, like a thing that a dad says. It is like, oh, I got your tip, you know? Like, and I had said something and I was like, I'll take your finest Frankenfurter. Which is not really how you say it. I just, no. but I say it Franken, like, like, and, in, like, shorten the, whatever. Um, work, you know, logistics aside, I said it to my waitress, and both women were so like, like, come on, Nate. Like, that is such a terrible joke. It's like a nice sit down, fancy restaurant. I ended up getting, right? I got a aged New York strip steak. With a green onion whipped ricotta on top. It was unbelievable, right? So it's that kind of restaurant. And I'm like, I'll take your finest Frankenfurter. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's very proud of himself. Yes, like, oh, who's got the jokes? And the waitress was unamused. My girlfriend was staring at me dead in the soul. And my girlfriend's friend couldn't even look at me. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I completely understand that. Andrew, in the comment section, says, in this context, the third F clearly stands for flabbergasted. Yes, mm. it does. It's a good word. We, if we, we didn't use it this week, we will use it another time. I feel like flabbergasted needs to make an appearance at some point. For sure. We have we do this show every single every single Friday. Um, I hope that we never run out of F words. But if we do. We've got one. I've had, I had a, there was another one in my head. I'm not going to share it with you because it's simply too funny and on brand that I actually guessed the F words you were going to use. You said three, but it ended up actually being four today, which just goes to show you we are unhinged. And with that said, I am incredibly excited, not for the the hors d'oeuvres that you put together this week. Not easy to put together, but mm. some of the other ones you, I've got, I'm excited about some of the other topics for tonight. This hors d'oeuvre, I'm excited to hear yours. I know where I went with mine. I opened it up to, to like help 
at dinner. I said, hey, guys, I need a little help tonight. Bruce really threw a curveball at me, and I'm not sure how to answer it. How do you help? So I'm excited to hear what you have for hors d'oeuvres this evening. So the hors d'oeuvre for this evening is restaurants where you never know what you'll order. You know, one of the things that my wife does all the time is she'll ask me, so what do you think you're going to get? When we are like 40 minutes away from the restaurant, she'll ask me. (laughs) My girlfriend knows the menu. She's read the menu four, five, six times before we even get in the vehicle. So I, I, I I know how that goes. So what do you think you're going to get? Well, I I mean, I, I, I don't know it. It's Tuesday. We don't, we don't look at the menu. We don't, we don't prepare days and weeks before our, our, our ventures into a restaurant. We simply show up and we act surprised when, because here's the worst part of a waiter or waitress's job. When they come to your table, here's your menu. Do you know what their most exciting part about them talking to you is telling you the specials? Cause you can't look up the specials. They're Mm -hmm. daily. You have ruined part of their experience by researching the menu prior to showing up. And they know, they know the look on your wife or significant other's face when they're ready to show up that waiter or waitress. They know it. They they can smell that they're about to be embarrassed in front of other patrons that they know the menu more than you. So there is no better feeling in the world for a server than getting to tell you the specials, because there's no way, there's no way you can hack inside their computer system to understand or to know in-depthly what the specials are. So a, a tip of the hat to our to our servers, our waitresses and waiters out there for having to deal with Miss Nolan and my girlfriend, Leanna, because you know what? We try to give them their moment and the ladies take it from them. They, they, they take, they, they rip it from their lifeless hands. The joy. The joy is being robbed. And you know what? You might think that I'm one of those people who plans out my meals significantly ahead of time because, well, quite frankly, that would be very on brand for me. However, I very much like to try new things. I like to experiment with new things. I like to kind of let let it kind of flow. And never is there a restaurant that comes across my palate that affects me more in this way than Taco Bell. And I'll tell you why it's Taco Mm. Bell. Nathan, I would like to share a a take with you. Taco Bell, perhaps, is the greatest example of marketing in the 20 and 21st century combined, and I'll tell you why. Taco Bell only has about eight ingredients. Right. Eight ingredients. That's it. They just keep reformatting them, packaging up and calling them something else, and we just keep buying it. The Chalupa and the Gordita. The Chalupa is a a deep-fried shell, and the Gordita is not. But ultimately, very similar. Cheesy Gordita Crunch, Double Decker Taco. All these things are made up of the same eight ingredients that are just recalibrated. And so because of that, because the entire menu can be summed up in somewhere between eight and 12 ingredients, when I go in there, it doesn't really matter what I order. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get the same combination of base ingredients no matter what I order. And because of that, Because of that, I can feel confident when I drive into a Taco Bell drive-thru and I look at the menu, I go, it doesn't really matter what I order. I can order literally anything. So I never know what's going to go. I'll pull up. Sometimes my wife will be done ordering and I will open my mouth to order and still not know what's going to come out. (laughs) It'll just be like, let's just see where the wind takes me. See where my eyes happen to fall. Sometimes I'll even stall. I'll go... 
I don't know. What do you like? And the person's like, I'm I'm just a drive-through attendant. Why I've got a better me? one, Bruce. This is another part of the 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 corny dad things, right? Here's my favorite line. Mm-hmm. Dealer's choice. <laughs> Nate, you you're got? too what young you for that. You are too know. young Dealer's for that. Are you choice. also wearing white new balance <laughs> tennis shoes? Is that the way it works? Right, a dealer's choice, and you're like, dealer's choice. <laughs> And he's looking around, smiling, just finding himself ever so funny, ever yeah, like, so I'm funny. I'm looking but around yes. to see if anybody else picked it up. Like the dad, three per three groups behind mm. me. He's like, listen to this jokester up there. He just said yeah. dealer's choice like he's at a casino. <sighs> see, and that's the thing. That's the restaurant for me where when I go there, there is the most possible variance to my order. Mm. And the reason that is, is because all of the orders are going to be based on the same couple of ingredients anyway which means i could go anywhere and sometimes last minute just go what about you so this was the reason this was so difficult for me and my girlfriend when i asked her to kind of help me with this particular one she was also sort of stumped because she said like you do not i don't branch out i stick to the things that i know so there is one place where this is true, but like you, I get in front of the, you know, lighted screen on the drive through window, and I simply cannot utter the words that I know exist right there on the tip of my tongue. But I do this thing where I go, uh, can, can I have a minute? Can I get one minute, please? And I do this thing where I'm like looking and I'm, I look like I'm laboring. And oh, 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 all right, I'll get a beef and cheddar. And it's Arby's for me because I don't get anything else ever, ever. And listen, I mean, McDonald's for me, it is a McDouble and it's a hot and spicy and I connect them and they, you know, they call it the McGangbang, which is, you know, incredibly sexual for a McDonald's sandwich um but bruce i do not I, I stick to what i know right so the she brought it up because she's like every time we get into arby's line you pretend like like it's some sort of vanity experience for you like oh here i am at arby's the and like i even before the guy even says anything can i get a minute please and then i just order the beef and cheddar um so for me it's Arby's, and it's only because I pretend to be stumped about what I'm going to get, but I'm always going to get the same thing. And that is really me on anything I go. Like, for instance, tonight, do you know what I do when I go to a nice restaurant? Okay, what, what are you guys known for? Don't care. Do you guys carry – You got, what kind of steaks do you guys have? What kind of cuts of steaks? And tonight, I rarely get a – I rarely get strip steak, but this was aged, and it was fantastic. Um, but I just do this thing where – Potato, a good starch, beef, and or I like pork a lot. Um, I do not try new things, and it's uh, it's not. I'm not proud of it. Um, but yeah, all in all, Bruce, the reason I'm picking Arby's, it's the only one I pretend to actually labor over. I was not expecting you to go in that direction with that question. I, I just, dude, I'm, I'm not even kidding you. I spent about 40 minutes at a round table this evening. By the way, I had dinner at five o'clock tonight. 
So the New Balance thing that pretty much tracks for you. Then you had dinner at five o'clock. Are you gonna? I'm surprised you're not in bed already. Isn't it time for Jag? I'm exhausted. Isn't it time uh, for it? Jag and better than dinner? Uh, actually, I've got I've got CSI e, I've Vegas got is on Nate. Season sixteen, episode forty-one of ER on my uh, on my DVR that I'm gonna have to catch after this. Absolutely. Um, uh, what's what's what was the other one that was on TNT uh, in the afternoons after ER? It was um, what was the witch? It was three witches. What what, what was it called? TNT the, the witches. Um, Charmed. Charmed. Yes. Uh, yes. You. It's I, I've got Charmed on DVR. Um, no, I um. The reason this was so difficult for me, Bruce, is I pretend I'm this person that will. It's not that I don't try new things. It's when I'm having dinner. I don't care to try something new. When I'm going places, when I'm going to get small plates, small plates, 100%. No doubt about it. I'll try the ceviche. I'll try, I tried seaweed the other day. It was terrible. But I would never try that as a main encore. Why would you flirt with that, getting yourself a meal that you're not going to enjoy or eat? Because I'm not the guy that creates confrontation. I'm not the guy that's going to tell the waitress, you know, I actually don't like this. Can I order something else? Because that's not, that's just not me. I know I'm going off into a tangent. We should go because I know we have, we have our guest Eric uh, coming up here soon. And uh, I know we have, we have another topic to get to before we, uh, and this is the one I've actually been looking forward to. Nate, I need you to pick a draft prospect. I need you to make a food comparison because this is the last show we're going to do. Yes. Before the Buffalo Bills make their first round draft pick. So I wanted to pick someone who was on the table and has been talked about as a first round draft pick. And I picked Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks. And I picked him and I said that Traylon Burks is White Castle. And I will Mm -hmm. tell you why Traylon Burks is White Castle. Number one, you always think it's going to perform better than it actually does. Mm. So. Traylon Burks coming in the combine, people thought maybe you know he might he might blow up the combine. He did not blow up the combine. It was it did not go the way you thought it was going to go. And also, it's one of those scenarios with White Castle where it always sounds a little better than it actually ends up being. And you have to be in a very very specific mood in order for White Castle to be a W. It has to be a very specific W, preferably late at night. Sometimes you're, you know, you've been. Uh, designated driver, perhaps, and your buddies are all drunk, right? And you're like, they're all like, hey, man, let's go to White Castle. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sick of this crap. Please don't make me go to White Castle. Oh, man, let's go to White Castle. It'll be fun. It'll be an adventure. And you're like, okay, fine, let's do it. It has to be a very specific W. And that's the way it is with Traylon Burks. I can envision a scenario where Traylon Burks is a successful NFL player Mm. soon because he went to the right system with the right offensive coordinator, who only asked him to do things he was good at. Mm. But remember, with specialization comes predictability. So you have to be very careful with that. You cannot have offensive or defensive specialization if you don't also have predictability. We love to do that as an as a offensive, defensive-minded culture when it comes to football. We love to say, oh man, he fits his system to the players. We love that. It's like catnip for us. We love <laughs> saying those things. But here's what we don't understand is that with specialization comes predictability. If you have a scenario where someone only does the things they're good at, then the defense is going to know they're only doing the things they're good at. And so that is why Traylon Burks is White Castle. Nate, what you got? 
Good for you. I, I I like that one a lot. I struggled with this one because I was in I was just insistent that I pick Jordan Davis in this exercise. In comparing Jordan Davis to some sort of food, harder than you think. But what I tried to do, Bruce, was figure out a way to associate the player with a food that people could associate that that people could familiarize themselves and understand and know what it is, right? So I came up with two separate things, and let me tell you why. The first one I I liked, but then the second one I liked better. But I think it was important to say the first one. The first one's cotton candy. The second one, and this is I I think I like this one more because it's a little bit more specific. A souffle. And the reason being is when you get that souffle and it's really hot and warm, right? It kind of boils over the top of the of the bowl that it's in or, or whatever container it's in like cotton candy right it's this big giant thing on a stick just like jordan davis this big giant behemoth human being who tests i, I mean raz scores off the yin yang right like athletic he's large you flip on the film and you feel like that's a guy that should be dominating and be using his presence more so when you kind of dip into that souffle, you realize how soft and moist and fluffy it is. Just like you're, you, you're sort of, you see this big piece of cotton candy. You're like, wow, this thing is very large. It's very, in, it's very, in, it, it's intriguing. It's a little scary, but it's just this soft giant blob of sugar. That's all it is. Um, so for me, I really went with the size dynamic and the size versus power algorithm here, which you would assume based on size strength that on the other side of the equal sign is power. And I just don't think you see that consistently when you put Jordan Davis's film on. So for me, that's where I kind of go with the food comparison for Jordan Davis. So uh, before we go any further, uh, we should go to the Genesee Brewing Company hotline because our guest for the evening uh, joins us. And not only does he join us uh, for the first time making his debut on Food for Thought, uh, Eric at home has been on Sports Talk Saturday a bunch. I know he's been on WGR a bunch. Uh, Chris Trapasso uh, told me the other day that the only other person that's been in draft longer than Eric is the draft itself. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Chris is in trouble. Yeah, that's right. He called you old <laughs> Eric at here of Yahoo sports. He is the draft guru, the draft OG, as Chris would say, <laughs> uh, joining us here on the Genesee Brewing Company hotline. Eric, thanks so much, man. It's a Friday night. I appreciate you joining us to, uh, Listen, you, I, I ask this to every person that covers the draft is innately and as specifically as you. Yeah. What's this, what does next week feel like? Like what is Sunday morning you wake up and you're like, all right, I better drop my 2023 mock draft right now. Is that, is that <laughs> like the, is, is, is that sort of the mindset? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, a younger version of myself being the ancient uh, venerable uh, one that I am, um, you might have been had a little more enthusiasm about it. No, I mean, you know, is there a little bit of burnout on on the twenty two guys? Yeah, right. I, yeah. I was tired of talking about Trevor Lawrence at this point last year, only because this is the first guy everybody asked me about, and sometimes the last two. So, yeah, there, there is a little bit of fatigue, but you know, once the draft gets here, you know, next week, obviously Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, I get a little more juiced and amped up, and then uh, you know, Sunday morning is usually. I mean, I have kids, so I sleep until like 745. It's glorious, man. It's the best thing ever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're talking food. I, I make one of those killer breakfasts, you know, like 
eight to 12 eggs, seven pieces of bacon, you know, as many carbs as I care yep. for. And just like, uh, you know, one of those. Yeah. yeah, but no, I, I already have peaked at, I mean, and you know, I, I, I know the names obviously, but it's, it's more about like, while I'm watching 22 guys, I'll make a note. Hey, check out 53 on Rutgers for next year, you know, whatever. And, sure. and then you kind of go back later. So I'm not one of those guys that puts out the mock right away because it's a little absurd. Let's it, be honest. I mean, I, as much as I love it, it's just uh-huh. a little, you know, but. No, I, I feel you. <laughs> Eric, I got a question for you. And it's specifically about the fundamental nature of this draft. And one of the big storylines surrounding this year's draft was that, you know, the quarterback class is not great. And so yeah. teams are positioning themselves to accommodate for the fact that the quarterback class is not great. You might see more quarterbacks move after the draft. You could see a Jimmy G, a Baker Mayfield trade after the draft, specifically because teams are not enthralled with this quarterback class. The first thing I want to ask is, number one, is this 2013 as far as the NFL quarterback class goes? Or is this Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Mitchell Trubisky, where the discussion coming into that year was it wasn't really a great quarterback class either. Is it somewhere in the middle? Because in 2013, we had just finished the the burning that associates from, you know, Blaine Gabbert and mm-hmm. uh, Christian Jake Ponder Locker, yeah. and Jake Locker. And we thought, well, everyone's going to overdraft quarterbacks. And that's not what happened. In fact, the first quarterback taken was after a trade down from Buffalo yeah. and yeah. it was EJ Manuel. Another guy didn't go until the second round and the famous Geno Smith left because he wasn't taken in the first round and that whole storyline blew up. And right. so you're like, on one hand, you're like, well, teams are going to reach, right? That's what they're going to do. Teams are going to reach for quarterbacks. But then you have 2013, they didn't reach for quarterbacks. So I'm yeah. really confused as to whether or not I'm supposed to interpret this information as quarterback class is bad. It doesn't matter. People are going to grab anyway, or quarterback class is bad. Everyone's going to stay away, right? Is it somewhere in the middle? Like, I don't, I don't know because both of them make complete sense to me. Yeah. I, I think you're kind of onto something. How about 2014 though? That was the year. And if you kind of remember back now, there, there's no Johnny Manziel comp in this class. There just mm. isn't, you know, is there but- a Johnny Manziel comp ever? ever? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not in this league. I hope. No, but yeah. no. Yeah, but, you know, Blake Bortles went third, and that was a little bit of a shock. I, I think that was kind of the, the first early surprise. You know, we, we've heard Malik Willis's name bandied about at the top of the draft. You know, it's not clear where he's going to go. I suspect he'll be the first quarterback draft, you know, drafted. But, you know, like with Bortles, he's sort of this, you know, large ball of clay that everybody thought could be molded into a, you know, he had athletic traits, he had an arm, this and that. I'm not saying Malik Willis is going to be that. I'm saying it could end up playing out the same way in the draft. He went, I think, third overall. Manziel went like 22nd or whatever. Maybe that's the picket choice where, you know, he ends up going a little bit later than than some people thought. I don't think Carolina's taken one at six. I just don't. I think it's an offensive lineman there. Um, And then if I recall, 32 was Teddy Bridgewater. So Detroit's picking 32 this year. Been some talk about them, you know, going for a Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell type, something like that. But then if you kind of take it a step further, speaking of of Jimmy G, I think it was, uh, was it uh, Carr early in the second round? Yeah. And then Garoppolo at the end of round two. Like that's roughly the, you know, where I could see the top five going, you know, so maybe it's, you know, somewhere in the the top 
10 to 12 picks for Malik. Maybe it's, you know, around the middle of round one to, to the 20 ish range for, for Pickett. And then maybe we have one more uh, in, in the first round. So I don't think it's quite like the lockout draft where had there not been a lockout, maybe those guys wouldn't have even gone first round. You know, I've had a candid conversation with a Vikings guy who said, you know, we just didn't know if we could even get it, have another route to get a quarterback. We needed somebody. And we felt that Christian was, you know, they had like a second round grade on him from what I recall. You know, that that sort of thing plays out every year. If you if you if you need one and you don't have one, you you, you can talk all the great game about, well, we, we don't want to reach and our board's gonna speak but to us. Available, yeah. yeah, but we know how that typically ends, although we'll see. You know, it's funny, the other day on Sports Talk Saturday, Eric, I was kind of talking about, I had a couple of guests on talking about quarterbacks, and I had these people tweeting me, like, Nate, like, who cares about the quarterback class? Like, right. we're talking about the Bills draft, who cares right. about the quarterback class? And I said, relax. I'm like, this quarterback class is incredibly important to how many Absolutely. players the Bills want at 25 yep. all into their lap. Listen, if 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 Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral end up in the top 15 or top 20 picks, that's a that's, that's a great. juicy prospect that's going to drop back to twenty five. Is that you know is that is that Trent McDuffie? Is it you know Andrew Booth Jr. Like is it a corner that the Bills want? Is it Chris Olave? Is it yep. Jahan Dotson? So you know I think for me the quarterback conversations is interesting from Buffalo's perspective because one extra quarterback in this draft that gets drafted in front of them likely bumps down a player that's high on their board. And, you know, Brandon Bean this week, Eric, talked about how in this draft right now, he's got about 23 to 25 first-round grades, mm -hmm. which is lining up to almost exactly where they're picking. Yeah. The cornerback position in this draft, I, I, I kind of keep seeing in a lot of, or at least patterns in a lot of the mock drafts that I look at, that the run on corners starts about 10 to 15 picks before the Bills are on the board. We're talking about drafting for needs. The Bills drafting a corner is drafting for needs, but I think they're in a good position to get a guy that will be one of the better players or best player available on their board while also filling a need. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I'll just sort of run through what I know about what I've heard and where some of them could go or, you know, I mean, the, the different things that, you know, could impact that pick or whatever. I mean, I, I think Derek Stingley and, and Sauce Gardner are both going to be top, seven picks. I mean, I, I really think both are really going high. The The question then becomes, where does McDuffie land? That's, you know, he's not for everybody. He's got sub 30 inch arms. You know, he's maybe a nickel in a lot of teams minds. You know, what, how do you value that? Some teams love his, you know, feistiness, his competitiveness. Uh, Andrew Booth, you know, I, I kind of thought he'd be a riser. I sort of expected, you know, this is a player that I could see, Starting out in the you know the beginning of what I call mock draft season January you know even though they exist well before that as we already said um, I figured he'd start as a late first and work his way into the top fifteen especially you know as like Ojabo got hurt different position but still you know the quarterbacks people kind of you know return to earth a little bit on that and you know and I I was thinking that maybe one of Kyler Gordon or, or Kyrie Elam or one of those guys would kind of jump into the late first. I don't know that it happens. I'm not sure. I, 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 I'm having a hard time figuring out if people are being really good poker players when I call around the league because it's easier to get answers on people with quarterbacks. Like, like you know, mm -hmm. for instance, calling the Bills and say, tell me about the quarterbacks. They'll talk all day about them. 
right? They don't need one. <laughs> they don't need one, right? So you can often get a lot of interesting information that way. But everybody needs corners, and yet, you know, the kind of the sense that I've gotten is that, you know, after the first two or three, there's there's a little bit of ambivalence about the group. So I still think Booth probably figures into that range, right about where the Bills are picking. Um, Elam, I'm not sure about. I still think. Early second is more likely. You know, we saw Tyson Campbell go 33rd last year. You could see, you know, that type of thing happening again. I mean, he's a good-looking athlete. He's, a, you know, he's sort of – Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know what he's going to end up being. I Kyler Gordon, you know, again, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag on the return. But I think day two will will have a lot. So it's hard to kind of know. I don't feel like there's there's this – this sense of overwhelming, uh, you know, pride in this class at that spot. But I think it's the depth is, is respectable and it's, it's not bad. I want to talk a little bit about the scenario that popped up with Andrew Booth. And that's, I want to talk about medical for a quick second, just yeah. the generalities, because I was asked a little while ago, what my ideal pick was for the Buffalo bills at 25. And my answer to the question was a healthy ish Andrew Booth. And I elaborated by saying if it's a completely healthy Andrew Booth, he's not making it to 25. Right. And if it's a doesn't check the boxes, red flag Andrew Booth, he's falling all the way out of the first round. So I needed this thread, this needle. I needed a healthy-ish Andrew Booth in order for him to be the ideal pick at 25. And I want to talk about medical because every year we see people start to fall that we expected to go higher. And then a report will come out. Adam Schefter will break something on the draft. Something will pop up from Albert Breer and they will say, oh, by the way, Maurice Hurst has a heart defect. Right. And things like that will pop up. Is there any way for us to know ahead of time where these things go? Or or are we just at the mercy of some team leaking it because obviously the agent's never going to, right? Right. We're just at mercy of some team leaking it to justify them passing on a player. Yeah, and I mean Booth, obviously, like you said, had had a, you know a number of sort of little things that added up, and he's had the quad that hasn't allowed him to work out, and that's probably one big reason why he hasn't seen that boost yet. But yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there there are a couple I can think of that that would well, there's some obvious ones like Damone Clark from LSU, spinal surgery. You know, he had the mm-hmm. you know the fused vertebrae and things like that. Everybody knows about that's public knowledge. You know, I obviously you know, updates on Jamison Williams. You would think that it would be an agent leaked thing. Oh, he's way ahead of schedule and blah, blah, blah. Uh, John Mechie and, and, you know, uh, Justin Ross or something. But, you know, Ross is somebody that that you could see having, you know, so, some teams where they say, boy, I don't know. And then again, th- there were teams that medically red flagged Mike Williams coming out of Clemson. Mm-hmm. And what was he, the seventh pick in the draft that just got the big deal? I mean, you know, some of these guys who have, serious neck back you know the kind of stuff that you go oh boy i'm not touching that um some teams can say nope not for us we're, we're too conservative medically we're not gonna you know we're not gonna make that investment other teams a little bit more you know willing to take that risk and it pays off for them but back to your question of when this information comes out there are a couple guys that you know, I don't want to say because I haven't been able to verify with, you know, enough teams to feel good about it. But I suspect there are a couple of players that, that, you know, may have been viewed as sort of the back end of top 100 or, you know, sort of round three guys who, you know, may not get drafted or may go late because of medical stuff that that is out there. But I don't think has been reported to the detail of which 
the teams feel. So again, it's I've I've gotten it from one team on both guys. So I can't really, you know, I haven't been able to get verified uh, medical information from multiple clubs. I'm not going to really report something, but yeah, I think there is a, a real medical element where there actually is a concern about prospects and you're going to see them on subboards and they just won't get picked or they'll get picked late. Like Hearst went what fifth round, I want to say. Um, and then, you know, others who maybe it is a little bit more of, boy, I hope that guy falls to us on day two or whatever, you know, and I, I'm sure there's a little bit of that gamesmanship as well. Eric, where I want to go with this is kind of get your overall thoughts about trade value in this draft. And and it sort of, the reason I'm bringing up is I'm thinking of the 2013 draft. And I'm thinking of drafts historically that don't have that group of quarterbacks at the very top that inflate that trade value yeah. or inflate the value to move up in those picks. And that, I, I, I'm just going back to that, that number three overall pick where the Dolphins trade right. up from 12 and they use the 42nd pick to move up into the third position to take Deion Jordan. Now, you know, hindsight's 2020 in that position. Deion Jordan was one of the, you know, maybe biggest busts in NFL history, um, especially for a team that traded up for him. But yeah. in hindsight, you know, the 42nd pick in 12, essentially the 42nd pick and a swap of firsts, it, yes, he's a bust, but I mean, they didn't feel that. I mean, they did yeah. for a couple of years, but that's not something that set the franchise back years and years and years. Um, right. I'm wondering your thoughts on the bills as a candidate for, for trading up in a year where it's probably not going to be as cheap. Listen, inflation's a funny word when you talk about it in economics, but like economics, inflation happens in the NFL and inflation in terms of draft Absolutely. pick value. Listen today, what we know, because it's the, it's, it's an information warfare, right? The yep. more things we know each and every year, the more experience we gain and, and I mean by we, you know, general managers, organizations, head coaches, so on and so forth. Um, it may never be cheaper than it is this year right now going mm -hmm. into the future to trade up. So would you believe if, if you're Brandon Bean, Eric, and you say to yourself, I need to come away with at least one, but I would really like to impact players from this draft. Would you tell him, would you give him the advice of saying, move up in the first 25 mm. to 14, 25 to 17, keep that second and maybe trade a second next year or a or swap a first next year. Or would you say, stay at 25 and give the Detroit lions a call, maybe sneak your way back into the end of this first round is which is the best route for the bills who, I mean, right now, Eric, this is a team that is, I think one really solid cornerback right. two away from really solidifying what I think is the best roster in football, but you add a secondary position, you add a wide receiver to this, a, a top 32 player, mm -hmm. man, this bills team starts to really, what, what you're starting to look for then is where is the weakness? And I think you have a tough right. time doing it. So if you're Brandon being in this draft and you know, the value to trade up is as low as it is, uh, where do you justify the best place to move up? Right. Yeah. It's like real estate, right? It's like whatever people are willing to pay. That's how much right. your house is worth, you know, and, and this year is going to be closer to 2013 than we've seen in the past. That's why those, those draft charts, you know, like, I mean, I think the rich Hill chart is great. You know, I use it and everything. It really doesn't apply to quarterbacks in the top of the draft. It also really doesn't apply to a draft that is somewhat bereft of quarterbacks. So you, you do have to consider that. That said, I mean, it, it 
you got to have conviction about the player. You got to make sure that your depth isn't compromised. But if you're in a position like the Bills, where you're clearly a Super Bowl contender, you clearly, you know, are are a handful of impact players away from being that much better. Then, then it has to be enticing to consider that. But you know, they they may still think, geez, we might be able to get a, a really good running back in the second round, or you know what I mean, or or some other position that that kind of falls into our, our lap a little bit. Or while everybody's jockeying to get up to get these receivers, Kansas City, Green Bay, uh, there are others, I'm sure. I'm you know, but maybe we can kind of do the opposite and you know look down to round two and kind of think to ourselves you know hey maybe is there there's a little bit better option down there like uh boy i don't know christian watson falls out of first of the first round or you know uh, uh john mechie we can kind of play the long game or something like that or you know sky Moore or something i, I you know who knows how that's going to all play out but you know, you, you'd kick yourself if you felt like, hey, we would have been on the clock at this spot. We could have gotten this guy. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty and everything. But I get the urge. I really do. The instinct to trade up is absolutely there, especially when you're that close. I'd love to look historically how it's worked for teams because it hasn't yeah. always. But it, it'll be tough for a corner, though, right? I mean, you have to get pretty high, I think, unless McDuffie's your guy, maybe. Sure. And he's one that I could see slipping a little bit. I would say middle of the first round is, you know, that 15 to 20 range or something. So that may be the one that that makes the most sense. And I know they've gotten some guys who aren't monsters at corner and done quite well with them. Okay. And and last question that we want to get to, Eric. And I want to I want to play a little fill in the blank here. All right. This is non-quarterbacks. You can't answer with quarterbacks. Okay. So if you were a GM of a team and you needed a blank you'd feel really good about going to this draft. If you were a GM of a team and you needed a blank, you'd feel really bad about mm. going into this draft. Give me the positive. Ooh, without give me the negative. I like that, Bruce. That's yeah. But you're not That's allowed hard. to use quarterback. Because I got that's you. cheating. Again, it's cheating and I don't have to talk about quarterbacks anymore. This is great. I, well, I love it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say edge. I would say edge is the mm. position that I would feel pretty darn good about. You know, obviously, you know, the guys at the top, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau and, and uh, Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson. You've got every flavor, you know, in, in 31 flavors at that position. So, you know, I feel like the depth is good. It's also good at the high end. I feel better about the talent relative to that position than I do wide receiver. I think wide receiver would probably be second, but I'm but I'm going edge on that one. I would probably say – I was almost going to say center, but I'm starting to feel good about – some of the, the possible converts there, maybe defensive tackle. Mm. I don't love the defensive tackle class. I, and it's nothing against Jordan Davis or, or Devontae Wyatt or whatever. It's just that all of a sudden, if you're in round three looking for a D tackle, it's getting pretty slim. You're starting to look at fourth round and fifth round talents at that spot. And you say to yourself, boy, if I don't, you know, last year we bemoaned the interior class and, mm. you know, somehow Christian Barmore slipped to whatever 40 something. Yeah. And the Patriots got a first-round talent there, but if you look back, the rest of the class was kind of blech. So I almost feel like, you know, as strong as some of these positions have been two years in a row now, we're looking at defensive tackle being on the weaker end. Uh, You know, I don't know if other people feel that way, but I kind of feel like it's a little bit uninspiring to me, and there just sort of feels like there's some some late guys that have some intrigue or maybe some players who played a little out of position or – 
boy, if they could add 20 or drop 20 pounds, this and that. But, you know, as they come, you know, uh, geez, I'm, I'm just getting a little underwhelmed the more I kind of think about this class. So I've got one more before Bruce sends you off sure. because you went in this direction. I feel as a, uh, I, I like to bet. Oh, and uh, you can talk to us. This is what this is for. Let okay, us Okay, good, 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 yeah. good, good, good. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm a selfish guy. I know why I brought you here. Um, so listen, <laughs> over the last three weeks, Trayvon Walker went from like a plus 1000 to mm-hmm. plus 550 to plus six, you know, and now he sort of sits, he sits at plus 200, at least from what I'm looking at from most of the sports books right now, right around plus 200, 800% yeah. is still that the favorite, but it is not as heavy as it was about three weeks ago. I'm not going to ask you to, I'm not going to ask you to, to give your, what you think is going to happen. Right. But I think I'm going to ask you what you think is going to happen uh, <laughs> at the top of this draft. Is it, is it Aiden Hutchinson and is the late Trayvon Walker hype just a, a a standard, hey, uh, we know teams like Trayvon Walker and maybe we want somebody to come trade up with us? Or is there really some, is this a classic Jaguars? <laughs> we think we are smarter than we are and Trayvon Walker's the tools guy and we believe that we're going to draft the guy with the higher ceiling, not the higher floor. Like, where are you on this number one overall pick? Um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I actually talked to Trayvon today and I asked him point blank. I said, you know, tell me what you know. Like what are you are you do you still believe you're in the mix? He said he did. He said he said, I I still believe I'm in the mix. I haven't heard anything otherwise. Essentially, I'm you know paraphrasing or whatever. Sure. But um, you know, I, I think it's a number of things. First of all, it's a it's a new coaching regime there. You know, Trent Balky is probably being a little bit protective of his turf. I mean, he's still the GM, but he's got to nail this pick and he's got to be pretty darn sure you know you could argue this is like a, a little bit like with solomon thomas that that whole that that draft was was a very interesting debate yeah. he was a really young guy he was really talented but you didn't exactly know what to do with him was he a five tech was he a three tech was he something else was he a guy who could play all over could he could he stand up you know and guess what he's kind of toiled as that you know rotational defensive lineman and you know, he's been on a few different teams now. Not a terrible player, just not a great one, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Trayvon Walker ends up that, but I'm saying that's the potential, right? And I and, and Aiden Hutchinson may be, like you said, the high floor guy who ends up as Chris Long, which had a, he had a nice career, had some good early years sack-wise, ended up being a very, you know, valuable uh, leadership guy and, and kind of uh, energy guy at the end of his career. Nice career. Uh, you know, would that be the worst number one pick of all time? Of course not. I mean, in my mind, I, if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, having gone through what I've gone through the last, you know, X number of years, fill in the blank, I'm feeling a lot better about Aiden Hutchinson, bird in hand, than I am, you know, the what's behind door number two. So now, interestingly enough, betting market-wise with Trayvon Walker, you know, I think on BetMGM, he was plus 140 when I checked earlier today. Mm-hmm. Plus 140, you know, and Hutch is one minus 175, I think. So that's like implied you know 63 percent or something so not a sure thing right no and by no means no and yet the over under for his draft position for walkers 3.5 so what does that tell you i don't think detroit's taking him at two if no i don't either if it's hutch 
I, I suspect that it's Kayvon Thibodeau, mm. number two of Detroit. Now Houston's on the clock. And Houston isn't guaranteed to take Trayvon Walker, although, you know, I mean, like you look at what New England did for years. Casario was there. They drafted a lot of, like, you know, versatile, athletic, defensive line. And that would sort of fit. But I've also heard cornerback for them. Stingley's name has come up a lot. Mm. Sauce Gardner's name has been mentioned. Offensive tackle would be an option for him. I'm not even convinced that 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 Trayvon Walker is guaranteed to go in the top three now. So, like, could there be a debate at one? Yes, but there also could be a situation where he falls, and the and the the Jets are sitting there deciding: Do we want him, or do we are we have our mind you know heart set, set on, on the corner, the second corner in this draft? Yeah, exactly. So, because if you lose on one, the first one with at three. They might be compelled to take Sauce or, or or Stingley, whoever's left. So, yeah, it, it's it. I know this isn't a sexy draft to like the casual viewer, but like for junkies like us, this stuff is really fascinating. And yeah, I think the first three, four, or five picks are going to be really, really kind of fun to watch. It's like it's like a Rubik's cube, man. Yeah. You know, you just you keep you you keep figuring out and you keep slot in. Yeah, yep. and 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 you see where it goes. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And listen, uh, after this, Eric, I'm going to hit you up on 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 Twitter. I'm going to get your address. I'm going to send you a couple of nice uh a Genesee Brewing Company pine glasses. They're uh, That's awesome. They're fantastic. And you know what? I've actually I I wish I would have knew that was one of your sponsors cuz I actually have a Genesee Cream Ale t-shirt. Like I wear, it's one of my favorite. It's one of those like. Uh, Here's the captain. We got the captain boom, right behind me here. Done. Right there it is. Like what do you, you call know, those baseball shirts? Like the three quarter length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, you know, like, it's it's funny about Genesee Brewing Company is that it is as Buffalo. It's in Rochester, but right. uh, you know Buffalo. It's it's basically Western New York, right? But it is something that transcends time, space, continuum. No uh, it it just. Everybody knows a grandparent who knows a grandparent who knows a friend who had Jenny Cream Ale, who has a shirt, who has a can cozy. Doesn't matter. It transcends time. But I'll uh, I'll, I'll hit you up after this and I'll make That's sure I get some That's very of you. I really appreciate it. I had a fun time. I, I, yes. I no, Eric, up. seriously, we, so we, we very much appreciate you having me. Anytime. Happy to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Eric Edel from Yahoo Sports. We are excited that he got to make his debut on the Genesee Brewery. Right company hotline very excited eric thanks so much for taking time uh before you jumped out why don't you tell everybody where they can find your work and find you on social media yeah they can find me on social media i've been hiding out a little bit lately but on twitter it's eric with a c underscore at home as you can see right there yep and you can also (laughs) find me at yahoo sports i'm trying to crank out the last few scouting reports i think i've got one more mock draft in me but that's it don't ask for any more and uh Check out our All Juice team. I got to promote that if I can. Our, our late friend Therese Paler passed away a little over a year ago. We've been carrying on uh, the tradition. Got a lot of input from NFL GMs and people around the league and, and had a blast doing it this year. So uh, if you can, it, ca- it benefits a good cause too. Howard University scholarship there. And uh, we love you and miss you, Therese, and hope we uh, did you justice. Sounds good. Hey, thanks a lot, Eric. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Just fantastic, man. You know, I, we, we we do get good guests on the show. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I've had Eric on Sports Talk Saturday going back a, a few years now. Um, he's as good as it gets and as plugged in and connected as it gets. Uh, so we appreciate him making time to, you know, to chat with us. Just a couple of simpletons, you know. Just a couple of simpletons. I'll tell you what, my mock draft is going to be a disaster this year. Last year, I was yeah. so I was so happy. I got every single one of the first six picks right, Nate. I was feeling like I was on top of the world. I hit Jamin Davis to the Washington football team at the time. I was very excited about that pick. Totally nailed it. And then this year, I'm looking at my draft going, I have no idea what's going to happen. If I got two picks right, I'd be like, Oh, that's absolutely amazing. As a reminder, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports was brought to you on the Genesee Hotline. It is brought to you today by Ruby Red Kolsch, Genesee's current rotating seasonal specialty beer. Ruby Red Kolsch is the official beer of summer, brewed with natural grapefruit flavors for a slightly tart and incredibly crushable drinking experience. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Bruce, I cracked my first uh, Ruby Red this week, it this was a it was a long Man. week. I know. I I um I I owe you a twelve pack. I I will. I'll make sure the the powers that be get you a twelve pack here shortly. Uh, but I cracked one uh, on Easter Sunday. That's what it was. It was Easter Sunday last week, and I was wearing my green um Jenny Springbok shirt uh, because it, it's a very um pastelly uh, Easter type green. So I felt, okay, this is good and festive. And, um, and then I popped that, uh, that, that Jenny, that, that Jenny Kolsch. And let me tell you the first one of the year, there is nothing like it, man. So, uh, you, you deserve one. You, you, if anybody deserve one, Bruce. I appreciate that. I appreciate that greatly. We actually have an email to get to this evening. Mr. Geary. Andy sent me an email and said, Bruce, today is dingus day when he sent it. And that means it's about 7.30 p.m. and I'm sitting on my couch drinking a Krupnik and Club. This, in my view, is a seriously underrated beverage. But I got to know, where do you and Nate stand on Krupnik? And can you make a comp for a draft prospect to Krupnik? So I'll go first. Can I quickly ask a question? Sure. What is what Krupnik? Is Krupnik okay? So Krupnik is a uh, Eastern European alcoholic beverage that is right. um, exceedingly strong, um, but it's great. Is it alcohol. a liqueur? It is. It, it, no, it's it's okay. a little bit like a liqueur. It's a honey liqueur almost. Okay. Okay. Now it's very important. It's almost like a honey slash hot spicy thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I, okay, I'll tell you what right now. Krupnik and, and, and Club is fine. I'm in on it. I'm totally okay. in on it. It's to me, I had Jack Honey a while ago and mm. I absolutely hated it. Oh, I absolutely despised oh Jack Honey. Jack Honey and Coke? 
Yeah, oh, I hated it. I man, absolutely that's good. hated it. Oh man, that's because good. I was expecting it to taste like Krubnik. That's oh, why. Oh, oh, I thought I was going to see that scenario. I was like, oh, well, it's going to be a honey liqueur kind of thing. You know, um, you mix it, you know, with a, a club soda, and you're good to go. Maybe you mix it with some some cola, and that's not the way it ended up being. Hmm. So for me. When I've had traditional Krupnik, it has been very honey, very sweet, but then it, it, they add spicy stuff to it. So you get this sweet and spicy liqueur, and I'm in. I'm totally in on it. Now, as far as draft prospects go, this is a really, really tough one. This is a really tough one. I'm going to go with Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen is Krupnik, and I'll tell you why. When I look at Tariq Woolen's film, I go, Ooh, that's, that's spicy. That's spicy. That, that burns a little mm. bit going down. And then I look at Tariq Woolen run and move. And I think to myself, Oh, that's sweet. I like that. I like to watch Tariq Woolen do athletic things because he's an athlete, but his film isn't that fun to watch. It burns a little bit going down, ladies mm. and gentlemen. So it's not my favorite thing in the world. So Nate, I know that you No, I've got a good one. I've got, got, got a good, good one. I've got a good one. Oh, okay. I, I stalled enough time. I gave you enough time. Yeah, no, uh, no, I, I didn't even need the time. I, I, I knew right away what this was going to be. So right, I'm go. going to compare Krupnik to Christian Watson. And the reason is I have no idea what he's going to be in the NFL. Just like I have no idea what Krupnik is, what it tastes like, what the, like, I don't know if it's got that like thicky, like that thick syrupy texture, or if it's more of a general alcoholic liquid where it's just, it's like water, right? Like it doesn't have like any distinct texture to it. Now, texture's the wrong word, but you know what I'm, I'm I'm going for here, Bruce. But the reason I'm saying Christian Watson is Christian Watson in his RAS score, I mean, the guy tested through the roof. Uh, a sub 4-4. Um, the problem is four years at a Division One AA slash FBS school. Um, I don't know what Christian Watson's going to be. I can tell you that he has all of the tools to be a good wide receiver in the NFL, I just don't know what it's going to look like or what it's going to feel like. What is he a big slot? Is he an X? Is he an outside receiver? Is he going to run traditional NFL routes? Is he going to be used like a Debo Samuel? I don't know, Bruce. I just, I have no idea. So that's why I'm going to compare Krupnik. Is it Krup or Krup? Um, Krupnik? I've always pronounced it Krupnik, but Krupnik. I think it's... I think it could be Krupnik. So I, I am, I am not originally, this is the, here we go, Bruce, FBI. I did not originally immigrate from Eastern Europe. So that's a pronunciation. Interesting. I don't um, we won't, we'll play connect the dots later, but I would think if it was Krupnik, it would have the two little the dots umlaut. above the U. I'm sorry. The umlaut. I'm sorry. The two, the two things above the U. An umlaut. I'm sorry. It's okay, so funny. <laughs> so funny enough, uh, you you know, two weeks ago, uh, I was in Disney World. You were, and I went to Epcot, which is my favorite Disney World experience. Um, have Have you been to Epcot? I As have. I was As actually there a couple years ago, but unfortunately, we made the mistake of going in June, and that was uncomfortable. Orlando no, in June never is do unpleasant. That. Never do that, buddy. I I'm. I, I try. I, I'm not that. I'm not the Disney adult. 
Um, my grandparents have a house down in, in Kissimmee and I go there every year and all of us as a family, we go to Epcot. I don't usually go to the other parks. Epcot is our adult Disney experience. We usually start in Mexico, make our way around the world and end up sloshed. My grandfather starts saying things wrong. We call him Papa. He's my Papa. We call him Papa-isms. And this year he called Pinot Grigio, Pinot what, what do you call it? Uh, Pino, was it? Oh, Pino Giorgio, he called it. Um, so that's how I knew we had gotten to the point where we need to get an Uber back to our, or, or uh, back to the house is when he called it Peanut Giorgio, um, <laughs> which I, I appreciate for my grandfather and my papaisms. But um, we got stranded this year because it poured, it had two downpours. The first time we got stuck was in shoot it was indoors the first one we got stuck in was germany and we if you ever been inside the germany area there's a buffet in the back where they do like the Hofbrauhaus thing right like they've got um i forget the the german song who the hell is uh, i don't know what it is i'm not german so anyways uh we go in and we realize that we have to pay for the buffet like you don't get to come in here because it's raining and not everybody pay for the buffet. We just ate tons of food. And we, so this year we decided we were flipping it. We're going to start in Canada instead of Mexico. Cause we always make the mistake of eating in Mexico. And by the time you're in the second, third, fourth country, you've got no room for alcohol because you've ate, you know, three tacos and some sort of smothered burrito and you have no room in your stomach for alcohol. So we decided we'll start in Canada because I'm not going to get anything in Canada. Um, and, you know, got a couple beers in us. And then it started pouring. And we, I ate, a, I ate buffet food. And I, I just did everything I told myself I wasn't going to do while I was there, which is fill up on food and leave no room for alcohol. Um, I don't know where the story is going, Bruce, other than to tell you that that little, what is it? Umlaut. Again? Um, umlaut. One more time. Umlaut. Okay. Um, that thing. Yes. Yeah. So we're, the umlaut. The umlaut. That um, was it was present in one of the words in the thing, uh, but none of my family knew what it was. And here's the funny part of the story. And I don't remember what the story was about. We tried to Google search what it was. If you don't know what that is, how do you Google search it? Two dots above a letter, Google. Yeah. What is that? Nothing. That's a good point. Couldn't find it. We we could not find out what it was called. Well, I digress. I'm I'm here for you. It's called an umlaut. We need to get to Richard, who uh, kindly sent us ten dollars here on super chat. So we will get to Richard's super chat. And Richard, we will also uh, after this, if you're on Twitter, uh, please shoot me a DM, and I will like I will be sending Eric. Uh, I will send you a Genesee Brewing Company pint glass. Uh, I know Andy Anderson. I got a couple other folks that I've also, uh, I usually like to wait till I've got a group of five, 10, 15 or so cups to send out. So I'm not going and needlessly sending out one, two at a time. Uh, so I, my plan is tomorrow to send out a big, large group of, of pint glasses. So Richard, if you don't follow me on Twitter, do it now at Naked Sports. Shoot me a direct message. My messages are open. Shoot me your mailing address and your um and, and all that good jazz, and I'll make sure I get that uh, that pint glass out to you. But this is a good question from Richard Bruce. 
Yeah, what are your realistic top three picks for Buffalo, Richard asks. So I'll go first. My realistic top three picks for Buffalo at 25, assuming they stay at 25. Yep. Which I'm, I'm going to operate under that assumption for the purpose of this question. It, Kyler Gordon, Kenyon Green, Jahan Dotson. Those are my top three realistic picks for Buffalo at 25. I am avoiding a scenario where everything lines up perfectly for the Buffalo Bills. I am avoiding a scenario where someone falls directly into our laps. Jameson Williams is there at 25. He's not going to be there at 25. I'm avoiding a situation where one of the top four corners, McDuffie, Booth, Stingley, Sauce, falls to you know to 25. Assuming those things happen, mm-hmm. I'm going to say Kenyon Green. I'm going to say Kyler Gordon, and I'm going to say Han Dotson. Nate. Um, I know that Eric was talking about Kair Elam as a guy that probably is going to be the top of the second round. I think the run on corners is going to be real. And I think the bills are going to have to determine whether or not, I think they're going to have three decisions to make. Do we reach, do we take a running back at 25? Do we trade back? Or do we slightly reach for the position that everybody knows we need? I recognize we need, or can I get that guy in the second round? And I think Brandon Bean in this particular instance, I'm thinking of might have to make the decision. We we might reach up a couple extra spots to get a guy like Kyrie Elam, who's 20 years old, who can play a lot of man coverage. And the reason I'm thinking him is the fit for man coverage. I think Sean McDermott would like the opportunity, the ability to play more man coverage. If you're talking about polar opposites in terms of athletic profiles from Kair Elam to Levi Wallace, you've got the polar opposite. You've got a guy with speed who can play man coverage. Um, and he's got the size, 6'1", 215. Like that, that's a guy I can get behind. So I'm going Elam. I'm going Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. So this is the tough part of the discussion, right? Because do you, a lot of people, and, and I think it's fine to say that you don't think Brees Hall will be there at 57. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on whether or not Brees Hall is there at 57? I think there's a very reasonable chance that one of the top three running backs is there at 57, but just like the Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, uh, JK Dobbins draft, just like that draft, Deandre Swift, where there was the, the big four and then a big mm-hmm. drop off. I think there's a chance one of the three is there, but I think that there's a very good chance. There's at least a semi run before 57. Even if, even if no running backs went in the first, right? I still think there could be a run in the second that would leave you with one or potentially none of those top three. Sure. So I'm going to say Brees Hall in the second round, and I'm going to do something that Brandon Bean admitted he would be potentially open to doing, which is drafting another corner in the third round out of Nebraska, Cam Britt Taylor. Cam Taylor Britt, I'm sorry, from Nebraska. Um, Let me ask you something. Double dipping on corner. Kair Elam. Mm-hmm. Not known for being a tackler. No problem. I mean, Sean McDermott likes his corners to tackle. Kyrielum, not a tackler. And I don't know what it is. There's this weird thing with 
Florida corners coming out recently. CJ Henderson was the same way. They just are allergic to tackling. And I just don't know why. <laughs> so I, I, I look at his length and I think to myself, what a tackling radius you would have. Sure. You should if have you used it. Yeah, you should have. Yeah. But right. I, listen, I, I think there's a true desire to be more multiple from, from Sean McDermott, because listen, I think it's important that there's, there's a level of Sean McDermott that understands that evolution has to happen. You have to evolve to remain on top and you can't just keep running back the same scheme year after year after year. Although the scheme is, you can replicate what, what Sean McDermott does year over year over year. Because it's zone. Everybody runs zone. It's not like you're not recreating the wheel. But I think in a given game against particular opponents, I think Sean McDermott would like, and Leslie Frazier, would like the ability to be a team that could rely on and lean on man coverage when they need to or when they want to. So that's why Elon was the pick for me. Let's take this stuff home, Nate. Let's send it out the way we always send it out with a nice digestive Winners and losers from this week in the NFL. I'm going to go first, and we're going to start with losers. And the reason is I don't want to end on a downer. So loser this week is Von Miller. Loser this week Mm -hmm. is Von Miller because everything was going so well with the Buffalo Bills. And then lawsuit for disbursement of illicit photos that were taken previously within the confines of an intimate relationship. And you think to yourself, oh, man, they just reported for camp. This whole thing just kind of puts this weird, strange cloud over it. And to me, given the fact that there's so little news happening right now in the NFL, no one's getting traded. The draft's still a week away. We're all sick of it. We're all chomping at the bit for something. And then the football gods give us something, but it's something we don't want. And so because of it, you feel deflated. Biggest loser this week. Von Miller. Nate, biggest loser this week. Biggest loser this week. It was, I, I had one thing going into tonight, and then I was scrolling through Twitter uh, when I got back home from dinner. It's got to be Kadarius Tony, right? Because this is a guy that's a first-round pick one year ago, who now the organization, the new players in the organization, seemingly want to move on. Pat Leonard of SDNY, I believe, uh, is the one that uh, that that tweeted that out. That, that report anyways. So Tony's a guy that, in my opinion, had a lot of red flags coming into the draft last year. And leave it to Dave Gettleman. Part of this Kadarius Tony being the biggest loser is actually Dave Gettleman being the biggest loser. He's the biggest loser by proxy. Yes, by proxy. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Biggest winner this week. Nate, who's your biggest winner this week? My biggest winner has to be Trayvon Walker. And the reason being is this is a guy that a couple of weeks ago I mocked to this was before the Von Miller, uh, the Von Miller signing. I had mocked, so this was what four weeks ago? I'd mocked Trayvon Walker to the Bills at 25. And people Oh, Trayvon Walker's not a first round pick. Trayvon Walker's not this. He can't Trayvon Walker, another Greg Rousseau. Um, he has been one of the biggest risers of this draft period, period. Um, I hearing what Eric had to say, our guest on the show this, this evening, I would, I simply would not rule out him being the number one overall pick, but 
considering the things that people were saying about him five, six, seven weeks ago compared to what they are now, the bit one of the biggest risers in this draft, Trayvon Walker. For me, I'm going Malik Willis. I think that one of the things that has started to come out in the last couple of days about Malik Willis is just that, you know what? If you took Trey Lance number three overall, Malik Willis can go in the top 10. Yeah, you're right. Because there was some discussion previously that maybe Malik Willis is around there for Pittsburgh at pick number 20. And I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to get there. I think a lot of people are looking at Trey Lance from last year and going, uh, okay, we took Trey Lance. Why, why? Why? Tell me again why we can't take Malik Willis in the top 10. And I think that whether or not you are a Malik Willis to Detroit at two truther or not, whether or not you believe that Detroit wants to hit the button and start mm-hmm. the clock, which is what happens when you take a quarterback that high, whether yeah, or not you right. believe that or not. I think the idea that he's worth that pick is changed. Yeah. The ideally that he's worth it. Now, I don't know if he's going to go there, but the idea that he might be worth that pick is different now than it was perhaps a week ago. And I think that Malik Willis is this week's biggest winner. Nate, we did it. We, we did, did the it. thing. We talked about, Almost all the things we missed out on our food simile because we went too long on one That's of the fine. other things. We'll get it next week. We'll circle. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. It'll be great. Thing. It'll be more important next week, I think, because our food simile will be based around how we feel about the Bills' new first round pick. Absolutely. So we will talk to you next week. So we are going to go live after the NFL draft concludes on Friday. Uh, at this time, Nate and I haven't talked about which one of us is going to be here, what the schedule, but the show is going to happen. The show Friday, must go on. The show must go on. So yeah. Friday, after the draft concludes, we will pull all of the stops out, all the food metaphors. Right. It'll be late on a Friday night. We'll go, we'll, we're going to rock it like it's 1999 up in here. It's going to be great. Good year for me, 99. Yeah, good year for you? I was eight. Oh my gosh, I'm so freaking old. Okay. <laughs> Moving along, <laughs> moving along to the FBI. end of the show. I'm so old. I am so old. I remember the millennium like it was like yesterday and you were I remember, I remember Y2K, okay. but I remember Y2K because my, my parents thought it was funny to tell me that the microwave wasn't going to work anymore. And I was like beside myself, what do you mean the microwave's not going to work anymore? Yeah. I, I just... I, I Sorry, just buddy. can't. I just I I just can't even. I can't deal with this tonight. This is too You're much. You're an old man. I I am. I just I'm so old. Okay, folks, listen. We, we hope you enjoyed tonight. tonight. But it was a good show. It was a good show. It was a great show. We had a great time. We always have a good time. And also, mind you, we're on Twitch now. This is oh, the first food right. for we thought on Twitch. on Twitch. We are streaming live to Twitch right now. Buffalo Rumblings has a Twitch. So if you're a Twitch person, you could catch us there too. We're all over the place. You can't, you can't escape us. We're everywhere. I'm in your Twitter feed. I'm on yep. YouTube, on your Facebook page. You literally can't escape me, except that, you know, you can't see me. So You can't at all see you. Right? You can't at all see me. But you know what? That's the way the cookie crumbles. No, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm totally, I'm totally not going to end like that. Because, listen, I hope you liked my joke. I hope you liked our guests. I hope you liked Nate's perfectly quaffed hair. And most importantly, we hope you didn't leave hungry.